Lamentations chapter 3. And before we read, I want to remind you of the background of this book. Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah, sometimes called the weeping prophet, for reasons which will become apparent. And this book is really the sequel to the book of Jeremiah, which is why they're right next to each other in our English Bibles. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah exhorts the nation of Israel, specifically the southern kingdom of Israel, or of the nation of Israel, is called Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. He exhorts them to repent of their idolatry, to repent of their depravity, and to turn back to the Lord. And Jeremiah warns them that if they don't repent, they, along with their capital city of Jerusalem, are going to be destroyed. And that's exactly what ends up happening. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, lays siege to Jerusalem for over two years, and Jeremiah is an eyewitness to the suffering of the people uh, during that time as they succumb to starvation and as they're eventually conquered by the Babylonians when Jerusalem is overrun in 587 B.C. or so. Many Jews die. Several thousand are taken captive back to Babylon as slaves, a time in Jewish history called the Babylonian Captivity. And following the fall of Jerusalem then, Jeremiah writes the book of Lamentations describing the aftermath of that destruction of Jerusalem mixed in with expressions of his own grief and sorrow over the fate of the people that he had prophesied to try to save. In the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, the book of Lamentations actually begins with this introduction. And it came to pass, after Israel was led into captivity and Jerusalem was laid waste, that Jeremiah sat weeping and lamented this lamentation over Jerusalem and said, and then that leads into the book of Lamentations. So with that background in mind, then, I want us to read from Lamentations chapter 3, Starting in verse 1, we'll read through verse 26. Jeremiah says, I am the man who has seen affliction. Quite a statement. Because of the rod of his wrath, he has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places, he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. Very similar statements to what Job makes, right, in the book of Job. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. Feels like God is against him. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter in my inward parts. I have become a laughingstock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. 
He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. And then the turning point. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would cause us tonight to see something of the power, the reality of these truths. Help us to feel the weightiness of your word. We pray that you would speak tonight, that you would cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see. Father, that you would cause us to know the hope that we have in you. We pray for your help now. In Jesus' name, amen. In the 14th chapter of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul is visiting several different cities, the cities of Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And in those cities, he is exhorting the believers there to continue in the faith. And then he reminds them by saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And Paul knew what he was talking about when he said that, because if you go back a few verses in Acts 14, it says in verse 19 that Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So when Paul says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God, he knew firsthand experience what he was talking about. But every Christian knows by experience that not every tribulation that we experience in our Christian lives is on the same level. Most of our day-to-day trials are of a level one sort of intensity. (laughs) Unreasonable expectations at work, screaming kids at home, things of that sort. But then maybe you lose your job or your child has an accident. Now you're moving up a few levels on the intensity scale. And then there are those trials that are off the charts altogether. A close friend gets tangled up in an affair and walks away from his family and from the Lord. Unexpected death, sudden death of a loved one. Something happens and you get that phone call and the wind is literally knocked out of you. Have you ever felt that? physically unable to move, not sure if you ever want to move again. It was that kind of tribulation that Jeremiah was experiencing here in the book of Lamentations. The furnace of affliction had been heated seven times hotter than usual. 
and Jeremiah had been tossed right into the center of it. He had preached his heart out for years. You've got to remember, when you're reading the book of Jeremiah, you're reading years of preaching. He had preached his heart out for years, begging the Israelites to repent. And they wouldn't listen. So he watched as the Babylonians approached Jerusalem to administer the judgment of God upon a faithless nation. He watched during the siege as the people that he loved grew so desperately hungry that they turned to cannibalism to stay alive. He watched as the city he loved was torched and leveled. And he watched as the residents of Jerusalem were slaughtered and several thousand of them were taken captive as slaves back to Babylon. Is it any wonder then that at the beginning of chapter 3 of Lamentations, Jeremiah says, I am the man who has seen affliction. Notice he doesn't even say, I'm a man who has seen affliction. I am the man who has seen affliction. But then he says in verse 19 and 20, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Do you know what that's like to have your soul bowed down within you, to feel that spiritually? Your soul is bowed down low. If you're a Christian here tonight, you know what that's like. You don't have to go through what Jeremiah went through to know what it's like to have your soul bowed down within you. To be weak and heavy laden, as the hymn says, cumbered with a load of care. Just feel it pressing down. (laughs) And the question I want us to think about tonight is, what do you do in that situation? What do you do when your soul is bowed down Within you, And I think it's helpful to hear specifically from Jeremiah on this issue because of the severity of the tribulations that he faced. If he could find hope in the midst of the furnace that he was in, then surely we too can follow his example and find hope and encouragement regardless of the difficulties that we're facing. So in Jeremiah's case, where did hope come from? When it seemed like the very fabric of reality was ripping right before his eyes, where did he turn? What did he do? Well, first, he recalled something to mind, he says. Verse 21, this I recall to my mind. The only way to survive in a situation like this is to recall specific truths to mind. And it requires effort. I need to recall something right now. I need to think of something. I need to recall truth right now in this situation. The answer is not to withdraw into a fantasy world and try to pretend like everything is okay or to drug yourself into a stupor. When your world is pulling apart at the seams, you need to recall something to mind. That's what Jeremiah did. Second, notice that the process of recalling these truths to mind gave Jeremiah hope. Verse 21 again. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Jeremiah didn't look inside of himself and try to manufacture some kind of hope. How could he? 
When you're crumpled up on the floor in a fetal position, hope is not going to spontaneously spring forth out of you. It's not going to happen. You're doing well enough just to keep breathing. Hope has to come from outside of you. It has to come from an outside source. By recalling some things to mind, Jeremiah found that even in the midst of the furnace of affliction, he could have hope. Now, what were the specific truths that Jeremiah recalled to mind to give him hope? What are the truths that we need to recall to mind in times of trial to give us hope? Well, he tells us. Again, let's start in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. And to keep things brief here tonight, I just want to focus on two verses, specifically verses 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And in these two verses, Jeremiah mentions three truths that gave him hope when he recalled them to mind in the situation that he was in. And notice that all three of these things relate to God himself. In other words, this is hope coming down from God to Jeremiah because of who God is. The first truth, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Second truth, the Lord's compassions never fail. And then thirdly, the Lord's faithfulness is great. Those three things. And with the rest of our time here this evening, I just want to share a few thoughts in general on these three truths. I hope this is encouraging to you. And the first thing I want to point out here is a translation issue that I think is helpful to recognize. And this is found in verse 22. The New American Standard, which I read from, in verse 22 says this, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. But more literally... It would be something like this. Because of the loving kindnesses of the Lord, we are not cut off. Or as the King James has it, some of you maybe are using the King James. The King James um, says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It's a little more literal translation of it there. And I think this is helpful. I bring this out. Because it gives us a glimpse into Jeremiah's mindset as he's writing this section. He's basically saying, I am going through a terrible, terrible time right now. But I deserve much worse. I deserve to be cut off. I deserve God's wrathful judgment. I deserve hell. That's what he's saying. And the only reason I'm not there right now is because of the loving kindnesses of God. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, he's saying. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that helps to put trials into perspective a little bit. 
It doesn't mean that a trial is not a trial. It doesn't mean that pain is not pain. And it doesn't mean that suffering is not suffering. But it does mean that no matter how difficult the trial, no matter how weighty the pressure, no matter how low my soul is bowed down within me, my situation is always infinitely better than I deserve. Because what I deserve is the wrath of God. And what I'm getting instead is discipline at the hands of a loving Father and an eternal weight of glory waiting for me in the future. And all because I'm good? No. Because I've prayed so much? No. Because I've earned it in any way, shape, or form? No. Because the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. That's the only reason. It dawned on me when I was preparing this for every single person here tonight. There's one thing that Christians and non-Christians have in common. It's that we all deserve the same thing. Everybody deserves the same thing. The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is not in what you deserve. It's in what you've received by grace. That's the only thing that makes the difference. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Because when he sets his love on you like he did with Jeremiah, remember back in Jeremiah 31 where it says, The Lord appeared to Jeremiah from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. And when God sets his love on you like that, like he's done with every Christian, then it's over. You're his, and you belong to him. You still deserve to be consumed, but you never will be. You still deserve to drink the wine of his wrath, but you will never taste a drop. Why? Because the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. And beloved, that will help you in the midst of a hard time. And Jeremiah says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Secondly, I want to point out the plurality of the blessings that Jeremiah mentions here. Notice that Jeremiah does not say the Lord's loving kindness, singular, never ceases. He does not say his compassion, singular, never fails. Those are true, of course. Theologically, those are true. There's other verses that support that. But the emphasis here in Lamentations is on the plurality of the Lord's loving kindnesses, plural. And his compassions, plural, towards his people. You see, it's one thing to say God is loving... It's another thing altogether to say that God's love is manifested towards me personally in an uncountable number of individual and personal loving kindnesses on a daily basis. That's different, you see. It's one thing to say that God is compassionate. That's true, and it's helpful. But it's another thing altogether to say that God's compassion is manifested towards me with a multitude of individual and personal compassions, plural, on a daily basis. 
one after the other, on and on, new ones every morning for the believer. Morning by morning, new mercies, I see, the hymn says. And beloved, when you stop and open your eyes, even just a little, you realize that these loving kindnesses and these compassions are all around you all the time, aren't they? A word of encouragement from a friend. And I love you, Daddy, from your child. The Holy Spirit bringing home a verse of Scripture to your heart in a fresh way. An unexpected monetary gift from a fellow saint. A good cup of coffee in the morning before work. What are all of those things ultimately? Really? What are all of those things ultimately? They're all examples of loving kindnesses and compassions, plural, from the hand of your Heavenly Father. Because, as James tells us in James chapter 1, every good thing given... And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Jeremiah says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Thirdly, I love the certainty here with which Jeremiah speaks about these blessings. Notice again verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. Never cease. Never fail. Never cease. Never fail. Don't you love that word never? Beloved, when are the Lord's loving kindnesses towards you going to stop? The answer is very simple. Never. When are God's compassions towards you going to cease? Never. Never. How can Jeremiah be so sure? Well, he can be sure because of what he says in verse 23. He says, They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. How can he know, how can we know that these loving kindnesses and compassions will continue because God is faithful? That's why. Because God is faithful. As David says in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Surely, surely, surely. You see? You see that that language, that certainty. Because God's faithfulness is great. And when he determines to bless you, he doesn't forget to put the check in the mail. And his bank account never runs out of funds either. It's constant. So wrapping up here then, what does Jeremiah do when he is thrown right into the center of the furnace of affliction? He recalls to his mind three things. God's loving kindnesses, his compassions, and his faithfulness. Right at the time when things looked their worst for Jeremiah, imagine the things that he had seen with his very eyes. Right when things looked their worst, that is what Jeremiah clung to 
And that is what he encouraged the Jerusalem survivors to cling to during their time in Babylon. And that's what we need to cling to today. Now, the scoffer will come along and say, yeah, but what good does it really do? You know, sure, it might have made Jeremiah feel better, pretending that there's some giant tooth fairy out there listening to him. But we all know that it doesn't really do any good. At the end of the day, we're on our own. How many times have you heard something like that? Well, don't bother saying that to Jeremiah. Because what happened to those Jews who were carted off to Babylon? Were they forsaken? Were they on their own? Left to perish in a foreign land? No. God raises up another nation to come against Babylon. And the Israelites are rescued out of there and returned to their homeland with rejoicing. What happened to Jerusalem? What happened to Solomon's temple? Were they left a desolate waste? No. They were rebuilt. What happened to Jeremiah himself? Did he die a pathetic old man, clinging to his empty delusions? No. He died a victor. Because he held on to God through it all. And beloved, when Jeremiah closed his eyes in death, do you know what he heard? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Don't tell Jeremiah it doesn't do any good to trust in God. Why did he hear those words? Because he was so good and deserving? No. Because the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And again, Jeremiah says, This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Amen. David, I wonder if you'd pray in closing.